Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. This is episode 445 of The Sausage Factory. In this episode, I interview Anthony Marinello of Katsu Entertainment and ask them about the design and development of their processed meat-related shmup dogfight sausage bomber story. Yes, it really is a shmup featuring lots of processed meat, a great deal of it. But before we delve into that bit of housekeeping, sadly... The audio issues for me talking, not the guest, remain. Eventually I'll do fix them. I know what happened. There was a setting in the software for the microphone to enhance the direction. But it also meant that I had to have my face squarely mashed up against the microphone for it to pick up anything. Anyway, that aside, this interview is great. Uh, Anthony's really, really open and honest about the creation of a shmup, which is not easy. It really isn't especially now, because people have an expectation about these kinds of games, rightly or wrongly. And what Catcher Entertainment have managed to do is make something very special by just messing with the formula just a smidgen while adding a lot of processed meat in the process. See what I did there? No? Please yourselves. Anyway, let's listen to me from the relatively recent past, if you can bear the audio squiggles and squawks please do bear with me trust me it gets eventually it gets fixed oh by the way the guest the, the audio is fine it's just me anyway doesn't matter let's move on chris please take it away hello entity hello chris could you tell us who you are and what you do sure uh my name is anthony marinello and i make video games i am uh, a part of katsu entertainment uh, along with my partner Stefan Imber, 
and we have just released our game Dogfight, a sausage bomber story. Available on every console, right? I think Switch, uh, Xbox, PlayStation, Steam, Epic Game Store, any place you want your games, you can play Dogfight. Well, this is the first, everyone, because normally, regular listeners may know, I asked that question right at the end. Was the game available on? But Anthony is kicked off right now. Nicely done. You've done this before. There you go. Well, there we, you I want go. to like the good part. How did you make your start making video games? Oh, let's see. Um, I started making video games. Well, I think like a, a lot of uh, young game developers did. So I grew up in the uh, you know late 70s, early 80s. Uh, so the, the, really the, the beginning of personal home computers. So when I was a kid, we had a K-Pro 2 computer in my house, which is, if, if you know what a K-Pro 2 is, I, I give you big points for that because it was not a common computer. Um, but it did um, have a basic compiler on it. So I remember as a kid getting books on basic from the library you know they used to have these big massive books just full of code saying hey make your own games and you basically had to copy out line by line all the code from the book and hope it worked and if it didn't work then you were in trouble and you had to go back and try and figure out what typos you made um so that was that was a long time ago and um i remember playing very early text adventures um you know like zork and um you know colossal cave uh, adventure stuff like that back when i was younger so um it was it was cool back then to sort of make the computer do what i wanted it to do um but it was it was just uh, i wouldn't even say it was a hobby it was just kind of a, a way to pass the time from time to time um so i think really i got into game development when i was at university i majored in computer science um, with the expectation of using it to make games, uh, whether or not it would be professionally. Uh, I wasn't I wasn't sure because again, back in back in the day that was in the in the 90s, uh, you didn't have a lot of schools or any schools really with game development programs back then. That was unheard of uh, at the time. So I would spend my evenings uh, sort of putting together little games as, as best I could in Windows. And I was fortunate enough to have a roommate who was quite a good artist so he would make the art and i would do the code and and we would put together game demos and when we graduated we we were able to send those demos out to different companies and uh, my friend my roommate actually is working for bungie now the artist um and i got hired by electronic arts shortly after i was graduated from university so i started off at ea in Early 2002, I was at their Tiburon studio in Florida, which is where they make a lot of sports titles. They continue to make the Madden games there today. At the time, they made Madden and uh, NCAA college football and also NASCAR uh, racing games. And I was assigned to the NASCAR team. So I, I spent several years working on NASCAR games. This is in the, the PS2 uh, original Xbox era. Uh, so, and on my first day at EA, I was assigned, uh, you know, they call them a buddy, someone who would show you around the office and point you to the office supply closet and that sort of thing. And that person was Stefan Imber, and who is my partner at Katsu now. So every, I have worked with him every day for, oh, geez, 21 years now. Um, 
So it, I've been very fortunate that I, I got a good buddy starting out. So that, that was really how, how I started off in the games industry. Next question. And you can answer on behalf of yourself or the, you know, the, the Katsu overall. But what are your biggest influences as video game creators, do you think? That's a great question. Uh, as far as for video game creators, I think it depends on what the project is. I think part of it is because I really got my start at EA making games for, you know, being part of a team making games where I wasn't making a whole lot of decisions uh, creatively at first. And especially when you're working on a sports title, you, you, you're, uh, you know, it, it provides some, some, some structure there to what you're going to be able to do with the game. Um, I tend to look at, game development fairly businesslike um and and over the years we've we've done a lot of licensed products which have provided a lot of structure for what we're doing so like i said sports games you know racing games uh madden nfl football i worked on a superman game i've worked on we've worked on a hello kitty game uh we've done some work with games workshop these all have uh strong ips and brands that that are going to guide what we're going to do with the game. So um, I think a big part of it is, is we step back and say, hey, you know, what, what does this product need and what are the rules that we play with? Um, and then we can sort of go from there to, to find what the fun is going to be within those rules. Um, now, since we've started um, Katsu and we, we, we have our own uh, kind of blue sky ability to make what we like that that uh, obviously those guidelines aren't quite as much in place but we 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 do try and sort of put our put rules on ourselves to 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 guide it um you've probably talked to developers before who who have have noted that you know when you have a a completely blank canvas that can be very uh difficult uh but when you actually put some constraints on yourself it it, it allows you to be more creative um which is a little counterintuitive until you you know find yourself in the position so um obviously you know personal influences um you know i'm a kid from the 80s so there's a lot of things that i love and and look to and and kind of think how, you know how can i incorporate some of the things i love into our games like uh, you know i love uh, mecha anime with with missiles flying everywhere and uh, spaceships and um i love comedy and i love um uh I don't know Mexican wrestling. One of my favorite games is Guacamelee. So it's 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 kind of it's it's fun to sort of take some of these influences and see where we can take stuff and and put it into our games. So if if you've played Sausage Bomber um, uh, or Sausage uh, Dogfight, um, which is the Sausage Bomber story, um, you may see some of those influences there. You know, we do have kind of the the guided missiles that you can unlock that that come straight out of one of those '80s anime and. Um, I've been watching a lot of Marx Brothers movies with my kids. And so I think some of that humor comes through in our writing in the game. Um, just just kind of goofiness that everyone can have some fun with. But, uh, you know, with Katsu really, you know, Stefan and I talk about sort of what what we want to do as a company. And it, it always comes back to games, games that, that make us laugh and, you know, that, that you can just sit down and have a good time with. That's really what we want to do. And hopefully what we've done with Dogfight, we don't, um, there's a lot of opportunities to be, you know, super challenged and really serious. And then sometimes you just want to hang out and, and have a laugh and, and, and have a good time. So that, that, that's really what we're going for there. 
and you've certainly done that. What video game developer do you admire most and why? I love, there are a few. Um, I love, uh, as, as far as companies go, I really love what WayForward does. Um, I think they're they're a cool company. You know, they're they're independent, but they put out some some really fun games and a diversity of games. I love the Shantae games. Um, I love River City Girls. I think that they, uh, you know, I think they've got a good team, and I I, I look forward to whatever they put out. So um, they're pretty great. Um, more seriously, I I like. Uh, for access, you know, Sid Meier again. Uh, I grew up playing Sid Meier games, Sid Meier's Pirates. I can't tell you how many hours I've put in. I love XCOM, um, so and of course, Civilization. So, those kind of games, uh, really, uh, you know, they got such great systems that you can play over and over and over again. So, I, I really admire for access for that. So, last question of the first half here we go. We are a video game podcast, so kind of obliged to ask this one What are you playing right now? Right now, this uh, the game I played most recently is Batman Arkham Asylum at the request of my kids. Um, I, I've i been sort of going through the, the Arkham games back, backwards, and they've been watching me play them. So I, I most recently played Arkham Knight and then Arkham City, and then they, they asked me to play Arkham Asylum. Uh, so it's it's kind of doing it in the wrong order, but that, that's just kind of how, how it's happening. Yeah, well, how, how are you finding it? Well, I've I've played through Arkham Asylum before, and it's a fant- it's an amazing game. You know, um, the, the Arkham games are are they're masterpieces, right? They're sort of the definition of triple A. I've I've been amazed at all the details they've put in, and obviously they you know they've got a, a great team and 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 a lot of money, um, but they, they they clearly worked very hard at what they were doing. Um, but yeah, they're incredible. It's it's funny. My kids my kids sort of were. We're noting how you go backwards. You know, obviously, uh, you you see the differences in technology over the years, and and how the the graphics in Arkham Asylum are very vastly different from Arkham Knight. Um, and so it's it's sort of interesting to see that that progression. But um, no, I love them. I think they're amazing games. Yeah, hit rewind on that must be quite a sight. But yeah, so let's move on to the second half of the show. We're going to delve deep into Dogfight, a sausage bomber story.
Dr. Anthony. What is Dogfight a Sausage Bomber story? Dogfight a Sausage Bomber story is a 2D side-scrolling cooperative shoot-em-up. Um, so uh, it's it's basically the sort of uh, arcade-style game that uh, I think a lot of people are familiar with, um, where you're you're moving left to right and you're flying an airplane and you're shooting enemies on the screen. Um, it's uh, it's it's kind of a bit of comfort food for people who grew up sort of in the 16-bit era. Um, there were a lot of shooters like that back in the day, and uh, we we really just wanted to kind of go back to that fun feeling of sitting down on a sofa and, and playing a game with your friends on a Saturday afternoon. So that's what it is. So you can play um, up to four players. You can have you and three of your friends playing as pilots in the Sausage Bomber Corps who are fighting against the evil tyranny of the Vega Nation. Um, and you battle through waves and waves of, of enemies and mega bosses to uh, accomplish your mission. Um, so that's that's really it. And as the name references, um, it's it's a so Sausage Bomber. Uh, some people may be wondering was a game that we put out uh, several years ago in the early days of of Katsu. Um, we did it as a mobile game, and it was a game. Uh, it was sort of a physics-based puzzler game where you are dropping sausage bombs onto enemies, and um, when we sat down to start this new game, it, it just seemed like a perfect fit to go back to that sausage bomber world. So we, we the gameplay is completely different from that original game, uh, but it is sort of a, a spiritual sequel set in the same universe. Um, and uh, yeah, we just we just thought it would be fun to go back to. Yeah, this is like Steam World. Exactly, yeah. I was just yeah. thinking Steam World. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Completely different games, but but a connected universe. Yeah, filled with very in- interesting folk, uh, just as much as uh, Dogfight is. So, um, first question then, and this could be answered in different ways because of the varying scaling of ability to have multiple players on the screen at the same time. One of the cornerstones, at least I believe, of uh, shmups, similar to... Uh, which is what Dogfight, a, a, a sausage bomb story, really is, is knowing where you are in relation to everything else on the screen. That's 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 the core to it. And um, what have you done in uh, Dogfight, a sausage bomb story, to maintain that, to make sure the player has half a chance to know where they are in relation to everything else and know where they should be, and more to the point, where they shouldn't be. Yeah, that's an important question, especially when you have four players uh, on the screen at a time and lots of enemies. Uh, readability is really important, especially yeah, like uh, when there's a lot of bullets flying at you and you need to be in the right place at the right time for sure. Um, that's something that we spent a fair amount of time with because we wanted to to make sure, like you said, like you don't get lost. So one thing you'll notice is almost all of our enemies are the same color. Enemies are tend to be a light blue color. Uh, and that made it very easy to immediately determine, you know, who is a friend and who is a foe. At, at first we had thought about having the enemies in different areas or different colors. So this is the red area and the green area and, you know, make it more interesting. But we found that it was, it ended up being more confusing. Uh, so we, we sort of scrapped that idea and, and just went with, 
with blue um, and tried to vary uh, enemies by different sizes and shapes. Enemy bullets are very distinct uh, and have a specific color and a specific shape. And so hopefully you can very quickly tell who is friend and who is foe with regards to that. Um, we spent a lot of time also working on outlines for um, the sprites. So with the, all of our artwork is hand-drawn. So we tried to make it so that it, it had a weight so it would stand out from the background uh, and be very visible. So hopefully hopefully we were able to do that. Um, it's, it's always sort of a, a challenge, yeah, uh, is trying to, to direct the player's eye to where they should be looking. You did a fantastic job. That's why I wanted to talk about it because ah, thank you. It's it's one of the reasons I'm so drawn to uh, Dogfighter Sausage Bomber story. It's just constantly coming back to it. I should be doing other things, Anthony. <laughs> Colors, to and me? Colors and shapes, and a lot of it is is simplification. You know, it's as a game developer, you feel like you always want to kind of put put more into the game. Hey, we could we could have this special effect or these you know this cool explosion or this big camera shake or this piece of information. And a big part of what we did was an exercise in stripping things out because we didn't want to distract the player. So for example, we originally had a plans for a much stronger story in the game. We, we have sort of a story that plays through in sort of intro and outro dialogues, but we had much stronger formed characters uh the as, as you've of course played the game you can see that you can select from different pilots as you play the game each of the pilots has their own personality but only we know what the personality is because we took out all of the dialogue so we act i actually implemented a running dialogue system where the pilots would comment on what was happening in the game and as, as you played with different combinations of pilots you would get different lines of dialogue and they would interact with each other differently. And it was, I thought it was a really super cool system. And it, it was kind of like Star Fox, you know, how you have that kind of cockpit chatter, but it was, it was even more dynamic based on the characters you were playing. And we sort of realized like, Hey, this is a really cool piece of technology, but it, it just, just distracts the player. You know, if, if, if I put a dialogue box on the screen, that means you're looking at the, the words and not looking at the bullets. And so we, we ended up pulling it out in order to favor um, better gameplay. Less is more. Ho hum. <laughs> <laughs> so, next question: the ability to change direction of flight is not often seen in a shmup. Does exist? Well, of course, one of the most famous is Defender, but was that a shmup or tower defense game? I don't know. Think about it. But mm. <laughs> so, I'm going to park that for a moment. But why? Yeah, so you can, uh, instead of just simply shooting left to right, we have it so that you can change direction and have your plane face right to left, which maybe raises questions as to how can a plane fly backwards. Um, no one seems to care, which is cool. Um, you know, there, there, there's these little logic things that you, you think may be important, and it turns out aren't when you're playing a video game. Everyone just kind of accepts that, that hey, that's a thing you can do. Um, I think we added that because it just gave us the ability to do a little bit more variety with the enemies. You don't need to to flip sides very often, um, but as you know, we have a couple bosses where it is mostly necessary, but um, we, it just um, it gave us a few more opportunities to change things up and, and uh, mix up the play just a little bit. Um, we didn't want to 
get too far. Like we like we said, you know, we wanted to keep things very simple, but we thought that that was um, a, a tiny bit of complexity that we could sort of uh, stir in that would make things a little bit more interesting, but not be uh, onerous to a casual player. Let's talk about weapon upgrades. Can you tell us, uh, talk us through their design and how you what made it and what didn't make it? Yes. So obviously, uh, this game is a sausage bomber game. So the first thing that we had to have was the sausage bombs, and they are they're big uh, sausages that you drop, and they they explode and uh, do do great things. Um, so really, of course, that was the first thing that was in the game. Um, we have you know typical shoot 'em up. Uh, your your starting loadout is a basic uh, kind of machine gun. Uh, that you use, but then you can unlock. Boy, we have all sorts of different weapons that you can unlock. We have um, what is it, 18 different weapons, I believe. We have over. Uh, so you you have a sec, a primary weapon and a secondary weapon. And in the loadout screen, you can select any weapon for either of those slots. So that that gives you over 250 combinations of weapons that you can do. Um, I don't know that I've tried all of them yet, but um, maybe someone will go through and find the ideal combination for all of them. But a, a big part of it is just going through and was an exercise and saying, hey, uh, what would be interesting? What would what would provide a little bit of different gameplay here? Um, so, you know, there are some shoot 'em up mainstays like a spread gun, um, maybe, you know, something that shoots forwards and backwards. We have kind of a cross gun. So, you know, different shooting configurations. But then we added things like guided missiles or uh, we have a bubble gun, which uh, is, you know, does very little damage, but is very useful in that that's, I think, the only weapon in the game that can destroy enemy bullets. So you can uh, lay down some cover and make things a little easier for yourself if you feel like there's there's too much shooting going on on the screen. Um, you know, it was just kind of like sitting down and saying, hey, what's cool and what can we implement and what's fun? You know, hey, would, wouldn't it be cool if we had a big flamethrower that you could put on the, on the plane? Okay, that, that would be cool. Um, you know, or have a big laser or, or you know, that sort of thing. Um, so it, it was a very iterative process to go through a lot of it. Um, some of it was by design and you sort of say, hey, this wouldn't this be cool? And it is in fact cool. And some things you say, wouldn't this be cool? And it's not cool. And you kind of go, well, do we get rid of it or do we sort of massage it a bit to make it cool? Um, so there, there was, uh, yeah, like I said, just, just a lot of iteration. What we really wanted to do was, was let people play the game the way that they want to play the game where they're going to have fun with it. So I've watched playthroughs of people who never, ever change weapons. They just use the, the standard machine guns and sausage bombs throughout the whole game. And you can certainly do that. Um, but if you want to mix it up, make it, uh, you know, have a little bit more challenge. Uh, we recognize, you know, one of the things that at first was we tried to really balance out all the weapons um, and, and try and, make them all more or less equal. And, and at one point we realized like, no, you know what? Players are picking the weapons that they want. We're not gonna make them all equal. Some some weapons are obviously not, not as effective as others in the game. And if you, if you want to pick that weapon, you can pick it or not pick it, not pick it. That's okay. You just play how you wanna play as long as you're having a good time. We want you to have a good time. So that was it. Um, I think originally we started out with more food-based stuff. I, you know, we wanted to make it where you were shooting little 
uh, you know, Vienna sausages or something like that to kind of stick with the sausage bomber theme a bit more. But um, those fast moving bullets, they didn't they didn't read well as food. Um, so we, we sort of swapped those out to look a little bit more just like traditional bullets. So there was there was some give and take there. Uh, you know, we, we, we weren't so strictly tied to the concept of sausage bombing that we would sacrifice gameplay in service of that. We always wanted to go gameplay first. Last question, then. Here we go. The visual styling of Dogfight, the Sausage Bomber story, leads it to become a bit of a spectacle, to say the least. It really just, everything's just kicking off. It doesn't detract from informing the player about what's going on. It kind of leads back maybe full circle to the higher, the first point of the, the question, but I've just found... Have you found balancing, making sure that the player is being rewarded by a visual spectacle? And one of the most impactful ones for me early on when I started playing uh, Dogfight, uh, a sausage bomber story, was really taking a whole row of planes, just bang, just a whole row of them going. The whole screen starts shaking, but not too much, but it does. And they have lots of explosions and you're just rewarded for just utter destruction. And I just want to ask, you know, how have you found that the balancing that kind of like, yes, you've got to deliver a spectacle, but not at the uh, not at the expense of actually keeping the player informed. How have you found that process? Yeah, well, it it's it's cool that you noticed that, and uh, it's great to hear that you uh, you find the experience of simply shooting the basic and you know popcorn enemies. Uh, to, to be satisfying like that. So that was that was something I uh, that that makes me very happy to hear because I really am a, a big fan of game feel, and we wanted everything in the game to to just kind of feel good, right? It's if if we're if if we have a choice between and you know that shoot 'em ups can be a, a a genre that skews very heavily towards challenge. Of course, bullet hell is a very uh, you know popular subgenre of shoot 'em ups like this where the screen is just filled with bullets and there's a lot of that and there's a lot of really great games in that style but for us we we wanted to slow things down a bit and if 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 there's a, for us if there's a choice between um challenge and having fun and sort of having a good game feel we're always going to go towards the, the the fun side of things so part of it was we just uh we just wanted to throw a bunch of enemies on the screen just because it felt good to shoot, you know, and, and blow up these little guys. And then we wanted to make that experience as satisfying as possible. Um, so like you said, screen shake, I think there's a bit of a hit stop. I, I, I don't remember how much we kept in, you know, because there's two of us, we, we, we have sort of a little give and take. So I'll take something and dial it up to 11 and then Stefan will come in and, and maybe take it down to a two and then I'll dial it back up to six and we'll, we'll sort of go back and forth on that with, with screen shake and hit stops and, and the feel of that. Um, but, you know, between the two of us, we end up in a, in a really nice place. Um, but I think part of a lot of it is just tuning. Um, there are, you know, there are some actually really great presentations. Um, you know, one of the guys from Blambeer a few years ago did a presentation on game feel that uh, I have paid a lot of attention to where he goes through and, and sort of does this whole list of, he starts out with a very basic kind of uh, platformer shooter game and then 
sort of adds in uh, over the course of his hour-long presentation all these different effects like screen shake and hit stop and let's make the bullets be three times as big and suddenly it's so much more satisfying um, but you know that was a really great presentation for us to look at and try out early on as we were putting the game together and sort of getting our own feel um, but uh, yeah, you know, interestingly, again, when we're, we're talking about, you know, simplifying um, with the shoot em up, when you feel like everything, there's, there's so much uh, chaos on the screen, uh, then we really want to go back and slow it down. Uh, because you as a player fill in the gap. Sometimes as a designer, there's, there's a tendency to want to sort of do more and more and more and make things faster and make things bigger. And um you want to have give time to let the experience breathe a little bit um one of the things that we we learned early on you know because this is the first shoot 'em up we've done um and so conceptually shoot 'em ups are very simple uh but all the details are really important to to come together to make it the experience it is and one of the things we learned early on is is putting together a level is sort of like composing a piece of music, right? There's 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 a flow to it. There's a rhythm to the waves of enemies. There's there's a rest point you want to have. There's a crescendo that may be coming in later on in the level, and um, a big part of it was kind of finding that rhythm. And so we would go through and play each mission over and over and over and kind of go, you know, just say, oh, you know what, this spot feels a little. A little empty let's let's throw some popcorn in here this this i feel overwhelmed here let's take some of it out um and uh you know maybe there are people who've been who are more experienced with developing shooters who who know the magical formula but for us us it was it was a lot of just iteration and game feel yeah um some of the early japanese ones i've, I've been playing recently they are awash with collectibles i've noticed do you like to oh, look collect all these things and, and indeed um that does exist to a point in dogfight uh sausage bomber story you do actually find little medals and you, your modeling of risk reward there is great because you're you gonna grab it now you know what's gonna happen if you do it's it's wherever it's wherever to the right i'm just saying you want to do that the amount of times it's... i got caught out by that is the worst but no it's great yeah. this is so it's it's funny when I watch uh, my kids play the game, they're always smashed right on the right side of the screen because they're so competitive with each other. They're always uh, competing to get all those little medals, and and of course, yeah, something will come off the right side of the screen and blow them up. And it's like, guys, just just wait for them; they'll come to you. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, Okay, a sausage bomber story has been developed by Ketsu Entertainment. Can you tell us where the name comes from? Uh, dogfight or katsu? Katsu, sorry for the clarification. Oh, um, it's hard to name companies. Uh, um, Stefan, uh, one, one day went out to a Japanese restaurant and had tonkatsu, which is a breaded pork cutlet for dinner. And he enjoyed eating that very much. And he thought, Hey, let's, let's name our company katsu. That sounds like a pretty good name. Um, so <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, Japanese is a, a language rich in homonyms, so it, it, it can mean a few different things depending on the uh, context, but they're, they're all pretty much positive. It's a verb. It means to win, so um, a, a lot of people find that very positive, and I think that's pretty cool. Um, so that's, that's sort of what, but, but really, if, uh, I guess 
you know, the, the food, th the food theme runs deep in our company. Um, because, you know, if I'm going to be honest, it really is referring to the food and not being a winner. <laughs> I, guess, I guess two things can be true, right? It can be yeah, both. Yeah. yeah, it can be both. And it's published by Hound Picked Games, I understand? And, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's available on what? You told us already, but just, just to reiterate, it's on all of the things. Is that right? It's on, it's on all of the – so it's on PC on uh, from Steam and the Epic Games Store, and uh, you mentioned it, it plays great on the Steam Deck. So if you're looking for a good game on the Steam Deck, uh, please give us a try. Uh, we were very happy with how it turned out on that device. And available on Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4, compatible with PlayStation 5, and Xbox Series S and X. Excellent. Well, Anthony, it's been wonderful having you on the show. Thank you for being so open and honest about the design and development of Dogfight Assassin's Bomber Story. You're more than welcome to come back, by the way, because we've had a lot of guests come back uh, over the years. Um, and uh, whatever's cooking in your brain right now. But uh, until then, thank you very much. Hey, fantastic. Thank you so much, Chris. Uh, I would love to come back. Maybe next time we'll, we'll drag Stefan with us. And uh, thank you to your audience for uh, listening and being interested. We hope that you'll have fun with the game. You have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast, part of the Cane and Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash Cane and Rinse for early, extended and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, and at our website, canerinse.com. <laughs>